Uh, the scripture this morning as we continue in the book of Luke is Luke 4, verses 38 to 44. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Two for getting all that stuff ready. We were sitting in the middle of staff meeting when we got the, the, the message that, you know, this change needed to happen with also the question mark of and if the change could even happen and figuring all that out. And uh, a number of emails later, including like some really amazing Excel sheet to-do list tasks and all that sort of stuff later, uh, the teams did, did a great job pulling that together. But we're, we're thankful for, for Cindy's leadership in that. Uh, it's good to be back. I'm David, pastor here at Current. I uh, had a great time celebrating uh, my brother's wedding in Omaha this last weekend. Uh, when I told people that it was a destination wedding leading up to it, they gave me a weird look. I don't know why. Omaha's a great place. Um, it was really fun. It was, it, was, it was a great time seeing family and, and all that, that, that sort of thing. Um, so thankful that Ed came out to preach last week, pastor of Movement Church in Oakland. Uh, I got to listen to his message online. He brought it. If you were here, you know he brought it. I love his energy. I love his passion. I love his gift for articulating the gospel. Uh, what, a, what a gift to have him down. Ed, if you're listening online, uh, you want to thank you for coming down. We'll, we'll have to have, have him back. Uh, but today... We're continuing our series, Walking with Jesus, talking about calling. Talking about calling. Jesus knew his calling. Jesus knew his purpose. He knew his why. The what, you know, the, the why behind the what and how he went about doing things. That's why he, he concludes really here in verse 43. This is why I was sent. For this reason I was sent. Jesus knew his calling. Uh, calling is a bit of a buzzword, it seems to me, in our society today. I remember as an undergrad at, at Cal, undergrad student there, uh, seeing an informal uh, pseudo-elective course called Finding and Fulfilling Your Calling. And as a, as a Christian at the time, I was thinking, that's interesting that of all places, Cal would be offering this. Is this a Christian course? Because, you know, the concept of calling is a very Christian concept. For instance, there, there can't be a calling without a caller, right? This is kind of the thinking there. So I, I, I looked into this course. I read the, the course description. Sure enough, no, it, it was completely and had nothing to do with uh, religion, nothing to do with spirituality, um, but it had everything to do with this deep desire that so many of us have, and that is to be, to be driven for, with purpose, to make lasting impact, to, to live for something much bigger than ourselves, well, if this is true in us, uh, there is no one greater to learn from about calling than Jesus. I mean, talk about somebody who not only understood his calling, but pursued it with such effectiveness. 
uh, there's a lot we can learn from Jesus. So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at uh, his calling and, cons- and, and consider what it means for our calling. And then we're going we're gonna to unpack how he went after it so effectively. So first, let's look at Jesus' calling and consider our calling. So verse 43, it says, Jesus said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Here's his purpose. Here's his why. Here's his calling, to proclaim the good news. Uh, some of you have no doubt been to all the leadership conferences that are out there now, all these seminars that uh, you can go to these days. Cindy and I have now been to a bunch of them. Uh, one of the really helpful tools that, that these folks are, are, are equipping us with today is you got to be really clear on your person, a personal mission statement. Have you heard this? You got to get real clear on this. If there was somebody who was clear on their personal mission statement, it was Jesus. Here it is. He says, to proclaim the good news. If you're here last week, you know this. It's not a surprise to you. You guys looked at Luke 4, uh, where Ed uh, showed us, uh, uh, talked about Jesus' first recorded sermon in the book of Luke. His biblical text was Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 2, from the Hebrew Scriptures. He pulled out the scroll. He read the Scripture. Here it is. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, Jesus began reading the Scripture text, because he has anointed me. Here it is, to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled this scroll back up. He handed it to the attendant. He sat down and everybody was locked, eyes gazed, fixed on him because he was getting ready to give a sermon. And here's what he said. Here's his, his big and great first sermon. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Period. Full stop. Let us pray. Uh, I know Ed joked last week, he's like, if only all of our sermons could be one sentence, that would be, that would be great. Uh, if only I could be as concise as Jesus. Uh, but what was he saying here? Like, what is the reason for this one sentence sermon that he gave that day when he said, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing? He was saying, I am he. Uh, I have come. I'm here. I am the sermon. My life is the sermon. Uh, and that's all you need to know. Uh, That's Jesus' purpose, his why, his calling, to proclaim the good news, or maybe even put this way, to be the good news. And of course, if you were here, I'm just going to recap this real quickly. I'm not going to spend too much time. You can listen to Ed's sermon last week. Uh, When Jesus was talking about proclaiming the good news to the poor, to the prisoners, to the blind, to the oppressed, he wasn't just talking about that literally, okay? Otherwise, we would have seen Jesus in these gospel accounts and all these stories about him hanging out near jails, You know, setting people free. We don't see that. He was talking, of course, spiritually. When he was talking about the poor, he was talking about spiritually those who are impoverished. When he was talking about the the prisoners, he was talking about the spiritually enslaved. The blind, he was talking about the spiritually imperceptive. The oppressed, he he was talking about the spiritually crushed. And what Ed helped summarize for us, he said it this way. Jesus was showing that it is only when you see yourself poor, you're as a captive, as blind, or as oppressed, that you can be saved. This is the good news Jesus came to proclaim. This is why he came. This is where he was headed. He was going to the cross. If you haven't heard this before, this is, this is the gospel. This is literally the good news, that Jesus went to the cross to die for the sins of the world, for all who would receive him. He died to provide forgiveness of sins and to offer freedom and hope for the spiritually enslaved, the, the people who understand that we are spiritually crushed by taking the payment that we 
deserve. And by being raised to life again on the third day, we now have the offer in his name because of what he's done to have eternal life and to have a restored relationship with God made possible because of what he's done. That's the good news. How we talked about this a few weeks ago is, it's, thank goodness it's not good advice, it's good news. The good news is not, hey, here's what you need to do. You need to go to church. You need to say your prayers. You need to make sure you're reading your Bible. Then you'll be right with God. I know that this is good news to hear that it's not good advice because the more I try to do these things that I know I ought to do and the, the person I know I ought to be, the more I try to be that person, the loving, caring, selfless person I know I ought to be, is the more I really realize that I just fall so short. But the good news is Jesus came to do and be and proclaim that he has done what we cannot do for ourselves. This is his calling, to proclaim the good news, to be the good news. This is why I was sent, he said. Okay, so how does this have bearing on our topic today as we talk about calling? Why is this important? Let's, let's play with this for a little bit. Consider it this way. Imagine all of the other things Jesus could have made his calling. Okay, what is he doing throughout this whole scripture text, just over and over, just left and right? He's healing folks, right? You heard the scripture read, he healed Simon. By the way, that's Peter, the, the main disciple of Jesus, the main student. He, he, he healed Peter's uh, mother-in-law. He heals all the people with their various illnesses, it says. He's just, but you know, at the end of the day, as much as he could have made a living out of healing folks, as much as he could have made huge, tremendous impact, life-changing impact, healing folks, that ultimately was not his calling. His ultimate calling was to proclaim the good news. Jesus didn't make his calling about being a healer, as wonderful as that could have been. He could have made his calling being a moralistic teacher. Jesus was known for being a really good teacher. Back then, people would show up in crowds to hear him speak. He was a really good storyteller. He, when he spoke, everybody was always like, man, this guy speaks with authority. He taught wonderful sermons. Some of, like, the Sermon on the Mount, just by itself, is considered widely to be the most beautiful and powerful work of ethical teaching that we have. And yet, he was not ultimately about just being a teacher as his calling. He was about, more specifically, proclaiming the good news. Now, why does this matter for us? What, what does this mean for us? It's important because understanding his calling is understanding our own calling if we are followers of his. Jesus' calling is also your calling if you're a follower of his. Or let me put it this way. It is the calling underneath all other callings. What do I mean by that? Uh, we may be called vocationally into any number of things. To be an engineer, to be in business, to be in the music, the arts, to be in the military, to be in any number of things. Well, we might have a calling of, of particular roles, to be a husband, to be a wife, to be a, a mother, a father, to be son, daughter, you name it, friend, neighbor. Uh, all of these things uh, can be a part of uh, our individual callings, but the foundational calling underneath each and every other calling for those who have put their faith in Jesus is to also proclaim the good news of Jesus, or to put in our terms here at Current, to point people towards Jesus and help people see, understand, even receive the good news in him. Now, why is this the calling underneath all calling? This is not to say that all other callings, all these other roles that we play are not important. Of course, they're important. I mean, we, God cares tremendously about righting wrongs in society. We need people in society. We need you righting wrongs in society. 
uh, at an individual level, but also systemically. We need, we need that. We need, we need healing. We need restoration. I mean, it's interesting to me, if Jesus' ultimate calling was, was about proclaiming the gospel, and he ultimately says, I need to get going so I can keep preaching that elsewhere, it didn't keep him from actually healing in the meantime. He was still healing. Well, why would he heal if his ultimate calling is over here? That's because he cared about healing. We need to care about these sorts of things. All of these callings are wonderful, but at the end, they will not last. The results of our, our playing out and working out these callings, the, the, the work of it will not last. What will last, what is eternal in Jesus is helping people find a restored relationship in God through him. And so that is our calling if we are followers of him, is, is a calling underneath the calling. So then, how, do we, how does Jesus show us effectively to go about fulfilling this calling in the different roles that we play? Uh, we're going to look at three, three thoughts here. One, he made himself available. Okay, look at verses 38 through 40. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Again, that's Peter. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses, and laying his hands on each of them, he healed them. What we see here is Jesus making himself available. So Jesus had this big calling that he had to get, off, get after and pursue uh, that we see later down in verse 42. He says, I got to get after that. But in the meantime, that didn't prevent him, that calling didn't prevent him from being there in the here and now in the unplanned and the informal ways that God wanted to use him. His father wanted to use him. For instance, he stopped and he healed Simon, or that is Peter's mother-in-law. I love this. You know, Peter had an inside track with Jesus. Hey, Jesus, you think you can, you're healing all these other people? Can you heal my mother-in-law? And Jesus was like, yeah. Why? Because he cared. But then there's all these folks who came up to, to get healing, receive healing from Jesus. In Mark's account, it actually tells us the whole town came out. And what did Jesus do? He healed them. He loved them. Now, let me ask you, would we have been that available back then? And in that way, I was playing this out in my head this week. I was wondering if, you know, uh, you know as, as a Silicon Valley, Joe or Jane back then, let's put ourselves in Jesus' shoes. Everybody's showing up and wants our attention, and, we, and wants us to heal. Let's imagine we were in the place where we could have done that. You know what I think we probably would have done with so many people showing up that way? I think we probably would have been like, okay, this is just not very efficient. So let's group these folks up in a line, and I don't know how it works. We're just going to do the wave across. I don't, we would have been extremely efficient about why, because we need to get onto the, the calling that we know is important. You following me? I feel like so often what we can do is we can lose sight of being available in the here and now, even as we're pursuing good and wonderful things. Uh, my brother, again, the one who was, who was married uh, this past week, um, I so admire in this regard. He, he is setting to be, actually, he's very, at the very tail end of his residency as a surgeon. He's getting ready to be a, a surgeon, which is, which is exciting. Um, but he, he, he went into surgery. He went into medicine for, of course, the purpose of helping others. That's his calling. That's what he wants to do. And actually, eventually, he wants to go overseas to third world developing countries to, to serve in that way. But in the meantime, we're talking a light week is about 80 hours a week, okay? A light week. I mean, we're talking sometimes over 100 hours a week when he's literally holding people's lives in his hands. High pressure, high stress, like total sleep deprivation. Now, is Peter a saint in all of this? No, but what amazes me about Peter is that he has this ability. He always just stops whatever he's doing, as busy and stressed as he is, to focus on the person who is right in front of him. 
to just care on them, to take in, to listen. And not just like in and out through the ear, but I'm talking like genuinely care, listen to what they're going through. And I'm just boggled by that. Um, because if, if he's able to do that, my goodness, uh, what an example for us. Um, I think what's really interesting to me is Jesus made time for uh, Simon's mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, but he also made time for the, all these random strangers, right? All these people just showing up. How much more then should we make ourselves available in the unplanned and in the informal with the people that we're working next to every week or the people we live next to all the time? Or the people we walk next to or, or sit next to and as we commute or whatever it might be, we need to make ourselves available. If Jesus was available, how much more do we need to be available? Second thought, Jesus got away. This is one of the ways he pursued his calling. He got away. Verse 42, at daybreak it says, he went out to a solitary place. One of the things I think is uh, we tend to not really consider when we read the, these stories about Jesus is how, in fact, insanely busy he was. Jesus was incredibly busy. He always had people vying for his attention. He always had people coming up and, and wanting his attention, and he always gave it to them. He was extremely busy. Why do I say that? Because I feel like we feel like we're pretty busy here. Um, and, you know, I think there's, there's definitely truth to that. We're busy in the Silicon Valley. Part of my thinking is we don't tend to be as busy as we, we tend to think we are. But I think we, we are, let's, let's just say we are busy, which we are. Jesus was busy. He knows. He understood. He understands this. And yet the principle here is as he got busy, he all the more made time to get away. He all the more made time to unplug to find time where he could uh, get away from it all and to refocus and to uh, make sure that he was getting the refreshment in order to carry out the wonderful things that he felt the Father was calling him into. You know, it's amazing to me that Jesus basically had only three years of ministry. Imagine if you just had three years to work on whatever project you're working on right now. For those of you guys who are starting companies, or you're working, imagine if you had three years. What would you do with those three years? you would maximize the snot out of those three years, right? You would go at it. Jesus had three years. He was extremely busy during those years. And yet, not only in this, this space, in this text, we see at regular intervals, Jesus found time to get away. You and I need to find time to get away, to unplug, to spend time with the Lord, if you're a follower of his. Uh, how can I be so clear that that's what he was doing? Uh, Jesus was spending time with his father, other times when he got away, it says that he was praying to his father. But here, he comes down after, he comes out after this time of solitude, and he says, this is why I was sent. I think we can infer there that he was, he was connecting with his sender. He was connecting with the caller. He was spending time with his father. Jesus knew with the limited amount of time that he had, but also the demands on him, uh, that he couldn't, he, he, he could couldn't afford not to spend time and be dependent on his father. Um, and I just think, boy, this starts to preach in the Silicon Valley. How many of you guys are good at resting? Like, don't raise your hand. Like, how, how many of us are good at slowing down? The more busy we get, even the more we need to unplug and, and rest. How many of us are, are good at that? How many of us can unplug? Uh, I feel like this is one of those times where it's good to preach, you know, against this thing sometimes. <laughs> You know, I mean, I was going to even put up some charts on how much we're on the iPhones. You know, Apple recently with their, their latest iOS 
update. For those you can't see in the back, I'm obviously holding up my iPhone, but um, he, uh, the, Apple recently uh, released their new iOS that tells you on Sundays, which I think is interesting, but on the first of the week, what your average time is that you spent on the phone. I don't want to know that information, especially as I'm getting ready for a sermon on <laughs> getting away and all that sort of stuff. It showed up today. I was like, I don't want to know, but I need to know. Um, technology is good. It's wonderful. It's making our lives easier and easier, but you guys know this. I'm preaching to the choir. It also can make us not do the very things that make us human and help us flourish. That is rest and, and take stock on what really matters to be in relationship with God um, and to um, draw from our dependency on him. Jesus once said, remain in me as I have also, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit unless you remain in me. Uh, or the other translations, you got to abide in me. We need to find a way to do that. Real quick, some practical thoughts. You know, it says that he got away at daybreak. I don't think there's necessarily anything holy about the time of daybreak. Uh, other times he got away, it says that he got away at dawn. Uh, perhaps he was getting away because it was the start of the day, so he would have, you know, a good replenishment time with his father before he went out and tackled the day. But I think more of the point is that he, that was the only time Jesus actually had to himself. Um, there's plenty of times in the, in the text where people show up at midnight wanting Jesus' time. Nobody's going to come check you out in the early, early mornings. Jesus took advantage of that. Um, it also doesn't say that Jesus went out every day at morning. Therefore, you need to go out every day, every morning. Uh, the only reason I say that is I've, I've been in, in Christian circles where that is almost like law. Um, that, no, there's freedom. I think the, the, the point here is just to find a disciplined way of, of, of getting away, finding replenishment. Uh, in, in the Lord, um, connecting with him. Uh, so Jesus needed to get away, so do we. He was, he was available to those around him, so do we need to be available. And then third, Jesus was willing to say no in order to say yes to the Father's leading. He was willing to say no in order to say yes to other things in which the, the Father was leading him into. Verse 42, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also. Could you imagine if you were one of those people bringing somebody who is hurt, in pain, suffering to Jesus, and him telling you no? How would you feel? Uh, what would we say to him? In that, in that sense. Like, Jesus, you, isn't that super uncaring of you? Aren't you supposed to be loving? So Jesus had a lot of social pressure on him in this moment. They were literally coming, it says, trying to keep him from going. And yet Jesus was, he was saying no so that he could move on. He could fulfill his calling in other places, proclaim the, the good news in, in other places. Did that mean he was unloving? Did that mean he was uncaring? If you read any other page about Jesus in the Bible, you actually read the same page in the Bible, you know that there's no way that it means Jesus is unloving or uncaring. He just oozed compassion and love and care for others. Um, but he understood that sometimes he had to say no even to good things in order to say yes to better things that God was calling him into. He even uses this word. He says, I must go on and proclaim the good news over there. Now, I think, as we think about what this means for us, I, I, think, I think it means that, uh, we need to have a, a little bit of self-awareness here. Because I'm guessing, uh, for, for, for the sake of uh, 
simplification here, that we probably fall into one of two categories here. One category is, oh, hey, pastor is saying I can say no to things, so I'm just going to go ahead and say no and not do anything, you know, that, that sort of thing. Uh, notice, if, if you fall into this camp, uh, notice that Jesus doesn't just say no, he says no so that he, say, he can say yes to something else, right? He says no so that he can go on to serve in other ways. And by the way, even in the meantime, before moving on to that, he's still saying yes to a bunch of things, making himself available to the situation and the people at hand and what he's a part of there. But it doesn't just mean just saying no for the sake of just saying no. Sometimes there's seasons where if you've been burned out for a long time, okay, you need a season there. But ultimately, it's not just saying no for the sake of saying no. It's saying no to figure, to, because there's another yes that we're led into. You following? So that's one category of people. And then there's another category of you where it's really hard for you to hear that you can't do it all. Uh, there's a number of you here. I'm married, I'm married to one. Uh, to hear you can't do it all is really hard. And, you know, just to speak uh, lovingly towards my wife, it's because she just wants to love and care for everybody she can. But she can't. Jesus couldn't. And that's the point. What was Jesus doing in, in the midst of this? He was saying no, and in doing so, he had to trust the Father, uh, these folks into the Father's arms. Um, and if Jesus needed to be able to say no in order to say yes to the wonderful things that God was, the, the Father was, was calling him into, how much more do we need to be? But you see that there's, it takes self-awareness there, and it takes discernment of where we might, where, where we might uh, fall into all of that. This is what amazes me so much about this story and what Jesus is going through in this text. He is wrestling through the very tensions, the very limitations that you and I wrestle with all the time. Okay, Jesus is the son of God. He's out there healing folks. Okay, we can't do that. He's the son of God, but he's also the son of man. How so? He has the very limitations that you and I have. For instance, he has to decide how, he had to decide how best to use his time. Folks were coming and loving. He's like, okay, I need to be available. I need to, I need to personally, intimately, you know, touch these guys, lay hands on them, care for them. But then at some point, he needs to, he's, he's, just, he's just tired, and he just needs to get away and, and recover and also get some replenishment looking forward. And so he has to get away, and he has to do it by getting up really in the morning. He knows what that's like. By the way, before coffee was invented, I think. I don't know. There's no, no coffee listed in here. He got away. And then, and then, of course, and then, of course, you know, the, the dealing with people pressure. He he loved folks, but he had to say no to them. Have you ever had to do that? That's what this is all about, actually. Jesus, the gospel is Jesus just didn't do this for these folks at this time. The gospel is this is what he did for you and me today, for all of us. The gospel is Jesus made himself available by taking on our flesh, by becoming weak, by taking on our limitations. And because he took on our limitations, it, mean it, it, it meant that he had to rest. There's all these places in the, in the scripture text where Jesus is taking a nap. You can't call Jesus lazy. You look at all the stories. He's not lazy. He needed to rest. Why? Because he had our limitations. He needed to connect with the Father. He had been with the Father for all eternity, face-to-face, -face, loving, intimate relationship. But he came to be here, disconnecting himself to that wonderful, close, intimate connection for the sake of having to relate to God, connect with him in a way that you and I have to do. We're really tired, or we're stressed, or we don't know what's coming ahead. 
And then, of course, he was willing to say no to things for the, for the greater yes. Ultimately, the best part is he did say no to those folks then. Why is that such good news? It meant that he was ultimately taking the next step towards the cross, taking his next step towards dying for you and me and being raised to life. Because if he didn't ultimately do that, if that good news wasn't accomplished, then all of this other stuff would have mattered not. And so don't you see that this text then doesn't just give us a model of, hey, here's, how, here's a good way to go after a calling, which it does. It's great inspiration. But the text doesn't just do that. The text, it's, it, Jesus empowers us to do the very things that he has done for us. Because to the degree that we let these sorts of things, what, what he has done for us in these ways melt into our heart is to the degree that from the inside out begin to spur us to do the same for others. And that's what Jesus has done for us. And that's what he calls us into. I want to put a uh, slide up here as the band comes up, actually, we're, um, just to help us think through these things. I just want to put up this slide uh, to help us like, consider for a moment, maybe in meditation and prayer, when we have a uh, time where we can just slow down, you know, take in a breath, you know, before we hit the work week, which of these come most naturally, uh, uh, least naturally to you? Is it being available? Is it getting away? Is it unplugging? Or is it the willingness, or is it having willingness to say no so that you can say yes to God's leading in your life? Or maybe that's not the question you have today that, that would be most helpful. Maybe, maybe you're facing something right now in this past week or you're looking at this week ahead. Where do you need God's help in Maybe being available. I love how Cindy connected it in, in Halloween. There's an opportunity to be available in our community in ways that there just aren't otherwise. Maybe this week you feel like, boy, I'm just, I've, I was just going to jam real hard this week, and I'm still going to jam this week, but I do need to carve out time to get away. Maybe you need to find, uh, you know, it's, a, it's being willing to say no to even something good. Loving and caring for somebody and trusting them in God's hands. You gotta, that obviously takes discernment and prayer. Let's take these things to the Lord in prayer. And then the band will, will close us out in worship. With eyes closed and heads bowed, I want to just give us a moment, just a few moments, just of quietness with the piano playing. The screen's still up there if you want to refer to it. Which of these come least naturally to you? Which of these do you need the Lord's help in? Which do you need perhaps to repent, as we've looked at in Luke's wording in the last couple of weeks, to have a change of heart and to, to change direction. What are the reasons we haven't been available? What are the reasons behind not getting away? The Lord loves us, will care for us, forgive us, and from the inside out begin to change us, mold us into more of his likeness. not in an impressive way or a heavy way, but because these are the things that he has done for us, he's accomplished for us. So now we have the freedom and joy to live this out as our calling. Father, thank you for sending Jesus to so relentlessly and effectively proclaim and be the good news. As a church, we want to be more, effectively, more effective at proclaiming the good news corporately but also as individuals where you, have us, where you have placed each and every one of us, would you help us be available as Jesus was available? 
Would you help us be disciplined to get away and spend time connecting with you? Would you help us discern when it's the loving and right thing to do to say no? And more importantly, how to prioritize our yes. We love you, Father. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at this time, we're going to continue worship uh, through uh, the giving of our offering. If you're new with us, what we'd love uh, from you is just to be connected. Uh, so if you'd fill out this connection card, this is our way to be in touch with you, give you different information of things to come. If you have any comments or prayer requests, write those on the back. We read those. We pray for those every week. Um, but if this is a time, uh, this is, if, you, if uh, current is your home church, this is a time in which we give back a portion of what the Lord has given to us in worship to him. I know a number of you, as my family does, gives online. If that's you, this is a time, let's just reflect on God's goodness and uh, come to him with a spirit of, of, of worship in that too. But we'll close our time now with singing.